in pursuit. We find this in the book of 2 Timothy as Paul is writing to his spiritual son. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 is where we're going to pick up. But flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. God, we need this in the earth today. Avoid foolishness and ignorant disputes. Why? Because they just generate strife. It is hard to have a battle of wits with an unarmed person. It, it, it generates strife. Watch this. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be patient to all, able to teach. Patient. In humility, correcting those that are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses. Lord, we need a revival of common sense in our nation. We need a revival. I, amen. Holy Ghost filled. Come on. Signs, wonders, and miracles. But some of, one of the most powerful revivals we could ever have is just common sense to come back to our nation again that they would have the ability to come back to their senses and escape the snare of the devil that has taken them captive to do his will. I want to preach to you for the next two and a half hours on this thought. For just a few minutes on this thought. In the series Pursuit, one word, faith. Faith. Verse 22, flee youthful lust. There are, there are some things you are too old to still be doing. You're too old to still be doing some of these things. And if you will let go of those, I want you to pursue point number three in this series in pursuit. Pursue faith. Faith. Today, I want to deal with one of the most powerful dimensions of our walk with the Lord. Righteousness, as we pursue it, we must live righteousness. It's acts of righteousness. It's righteous acts. It's moral correctness and the heart behind it so that we may move with righteous acts. But today, we're going to focus on living or pursuing faith. And this is going to be a, a challenging message in some ways today because I want you to think properly about what faith actually is. Faith is not something that we have. Faith is a way that we walk. We walk, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by most people think that the opposite of faith is fear. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is sight. If you need sight for it, you don't need faith for it. The things that you can see, you don't need faith for because it is there. It has manifested in the natural realm. But it is those things that lay in the, in the supernatural realm where they have not made manifestation in the natural realm. Those are the things that you and I must walk in and we step towards it every day in every situation by walking by faith. 
If the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, then I have to trust that the God who allowed this platform to hold me in this step is going to let me take the next step and the same brace, the same foundation is going to secure the next step that I have. And most of us have a very deep um, under, misunderstanding of what faith is, yet we operate in it on very, very common ways. I have to believe that most of you, when you stuck your key in your car, whether it was in your pocket or put it actually in the ignition, that when it turned, you expected the engine to come on. There was an expectation that the engine would come on and then it would work because you would put it into reverse or put it into drive and move. Many of us came here and we came here through a stoplight. And the faith required for stoplights is amazing. Because while we're seeing green, we have faith that the other person in the opposite direction is seeing the red. So when we see red, we have faith that they see green. And when we see green, we have faith that they see red. And when both of us are flashing yellows because of storms, I call it squirrel theology. <laughs> Who's going to go? Who's going to go? Who's going to go? But listen, walking by biblical spiritual faith is not when it's green go, when it's red. Both of those are sight driven. When we walk by biblical faith, it doesn't matter whether there's a light in front of us or not. This is the way God has told us to go. And even if it doesn't make sense, even, even when we don't see the way it's going to work out, we have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding and in all of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. Faith. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is sight. If you see it, you don't have to believe for it. And most often, God will put us in some, front of something that is contrary to what we have faith for just to see which one's more valuable to us. So we will see a doctor's report, yet he will decree healing. We will see a need in our home or in our lives, yet he will declare there's a breakthrough for it. The question is, do we lean on what we see, or are we walking by faith in the unseen realm? He, Paul writes in the, to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he says this, and they, how would they call upon me if they do not believe? And, and how would they believe if they have not even heard of me? Watch this. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Watch this. Verse 17, for faith, I'm King James, y'all, faith cometh. By hearing. But not just because your ears are open, but specifically hearing the word of God. Faith is not just by your listening. Faith is built by your ability to hear what God is saying about that situation. Hmm. This is why I don't have time to just preach to you my next book. Uh, or, or give you my next philosophy are five steps for whatever it is for you to be successful in whatever realm you I don't have time to get man's philosophy. I don't have, because I can't build faith on man's philosophy. I don't have time to give you a whole bunch of my opinions because you can't be built on my opinions. I can't, I can't spend the time to write paper, scissors, shoot with you about what you should or shouldn't do. No, no. I, the only way faith is built is built by hearing what God is saying about your situation. It's built by the word 
of the Lord. I don't know when it happened in the United States, but somewhere along the way, this has become more and more foreign in his house. It's a firm foundation. Oh, I'm about to preach on the word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's the reason why we struggle to open it every day. We can open our Facebook with no problem. We can open our Instagram with no problem. We can open our TikTok, TikTok, our TikTok with no problem. We can open up. We can we can open up all of our stuff with every email with no problem. And you know your email is full of problems, but we have the power to open it anyway. But we struggle with this one. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want you to know what God thinks about it, and your flesh doesn't either. Faith comes by hearing. The word of the Lord. In other words, faith has one source. Oh, God. It has one source. It's the word of the Lord. If you're going to build faith, it is only being built from one place. It's the word of the Lord. Not only does it have one source, but number two, it has one focus. Everything my faith must be focused on is what he says about my situation. What he thinks about my situation. What he thinks about the season that I'm in. Faith is focused in one direction and it is focused on the word of God. Most people, well, I've got faith in my doctor. Well, I've got faith in my pastor. I got faith in my business. I got faith in my clients. I got faith in my boss. Listen, don't mistake faith for hope. Don't mistake faith for wishful thinking. Faith can only be founded. Its source is in the word of the Lord. Therefore, it should only be founded and sourced by the God who is the God of his word. Most often we operate in hope, we operate in luck, or we operate in wishful thinking, but we call it faith. But according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith. Now faith. For me to have faith in this moment, I have to have now faith. What is now faith? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not. We walk by faith and not by. It is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. Hold on. Faith is both substance and evidence. Faith has substance to it. We make, we make it religious preferences. But faith has substance. Faith is evidence in something in the unseen realm. My faith is the evidence that you can take to the law and you can bring it inside of the court and judge me according. Faith is evidence you can't just submit anything in the court of law. 
But I can bring my faith to it. And my faith has enough substance that it can become evidence that, we be, that will be presented against the law. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, God brings grace to my situation. God brings mercy to my situation. But if I'm dealing with the law of sin, of shame, of brokenness, and I'm confronting the law, God may bring his grace, God may bring his mercy, but I have to bring my faith. And my faith is enough evidence that I can be set free from the curse of the law because his grace and his mercy came with my faith. Now faith, now faith, wait a minute. Now faith is the substance for the things, come on class, the things. So faith is about here and now. Hope is about the future. Do you see it? It's hoped for. Faith is what I'm doing now, but my hope is about what's on the way. So, so faith is about mom, this moment, but my hope is put in what's on the way to it. Any hope that is not based in legitimate faith will always leave you disappointed. Faith. faith. As a matter of fact, I can't think of any other word in the Bible that God gives us and then defines for us besides faith. Maybe you can find one, but I can't find one. He tells us to have it. He tells us to hold it. He tells us to keep it. And, but then he takes the time to articulate what it actually is. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Hmm. Romans chapter 10 verse 10 says it this way. It says, for, watch this, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. But with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. I want you to see the contrast. Faith is a heart issue. Confession and salvation is a mouth and head issue. Do you see it? With the heart one believes unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made known unto salvation. My mouth is the place where confession brings me to salvation. For if we confess with our mouth, watch it, but also believe with our heart that he was raised from the dead, we shall be saved. Heart is the issue of where my faith has to be. Watch this. Biblical faith is in your heart, not your mind. Biblical faith is a heart posture, not a mindset. And this faith is one that creates motion. Hang with me because I'm leading you somewhere. It, It is a heart issue. It is not a mind issue. Watch this. Because intellectual faith will never change you. Well, I just believe because I believe. Well, is that here or is that here? Is that a mindset or is that a heart posture? Because if my heart posture is that of belief in God no matter what, then then I can be changed by it. But if it's a mindset, eventually, the problem is we have different mindsets by different emotions. Okay? Heart is faith. 
the mind, the head, the mouth is, is salvation, is confession. Most of us can quote the armor of God as it relates to the book of Ephesians. But did you know that Paul also gave us some armor in a different book? It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. I want you to see this. He says, let us, um, who are of the day, be sober. Another sermon, another day. Let those of us who recognize the day we're in, you probably don't want to be intoxicated in this season. Okay, you want to have full sensibility in this season. Be sober. Watch this. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. He equates our faith with the covering of our heart. And he equates our salvation or the hope of our salvation with the protecting of our minds. My hope is about my head, but my faith is about my heart. And Paul is admonishing his spiritual son, Timothy, to go after your heart posture that is filled with faith. So what is faith? This is the GIV version, okay? Here it is. I believe faith is a confident expectation of good based upon the word of God that is revealed to us. Faith is a confident expectation of good based upon the word of God that has been revealed to us. I'm 46 years old. I've given more than half my life to the study of this book, and it is amazing to me that I can read a passage that I have read hundreds of times, and somewhere, somehow, he brings illumination and revelation to it in a brand new way. It is amazing to me that I can read the same story over and over and over, and somehow, some way, be pulling another nugget of truth. It's the author of the book sitting down with me, showing me another dimension to it. This doesn't get old, and it it doesn't get cold if you don't want it to. And it is amazing to me. And I'm going to make a very bold statement. But I don't believe faith-filled people can be pessimistic. And I'm just a naturally negative person. Well, you're just a naturally non-faith-filled person. This is why we must be a supernaturally faithful. If you are faithless, how can you be faithful? I don't want to be glass half of anything. I want to be full. Some of you know, I know you think he is full. He's full of it. He's absolutely. He's absolutely full. You, you cannot be faithless and still be faithful. And I just don't, I don't believe that faithful people can be naturally pessimistic because you know somewhere on the inside of you, he's going to work it together for your good. You just know, I don't know how it's going. It's broken my heart. It's broken my mind. It's broken some relationship. It's got some stuff that's going on. We got all kinds of drama. We got all kinds of stuff that's happening. But somewhere, somehow, on the back end of this thing, before the fat lady starts singing, God's going to turn this around, and he's going to make a mockery of my enemy, and he's going to position me to say, look how good God is. He's working it together for my good. My faith is the expectation that even if something is bad, it is not all there is. It's just an ingredient to what he's building for me. So, the writer of Hebrews says in 11 verse 3, 
By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Oh, if I had time to take you to Genesis. The ocean is still where the ocean is, not because of global anything. It's because of God. That sun is shining because of God. That moon comes out when the moon comes out because God decided this is when I'm going to let the moon come out. Should we do our part? Should we? Absolutely, we should be good stewards of what God has given us. But let me remind you, the earth still is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He has it shifted. He has it sold out his property. It is still the Lord's. And there is a place where the ocean can be and cannot be. There's a place where the land can be and not be. And I'm here today to tell you that the earth still belongs to God and it has been framed by the word of the Lord. And it will not return void but accomplish that in which it sends to do. It is still a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is still hit, sent, been sent and heals diseases. It is the power of his word. And our world was framed by it. So watch this. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Oh God. We walk by faith and not by So the things we do see in the natural realm were not created by the natural things. Anybody that ever has children, you understand what this principle is. Because your child was born before it was ever conceived. I'll say it to you again. Your child was born before it was ever conceived. Because it was made in the invisible realm, in the spiritual realm, before it was ever made manifest in the natural. In other words, my faith leads me into the invisible. But hear me today. Hear me. Faith is not the intellectual embrace of a doctrinal belief. And and this is where the Church of America has gotten a little off, in my opinion. We have made this an intellectual embrace of a doctrinal belief. Faith is not an intellectual embrace of a doctrinal preference. Faith is my manifested steps of what I'm believing God's going to put underneath my next step. Faith has motion to it. It is an action verb. And the just shall live by Faith is not the easy thing. Because faith gets tested. James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren, have a party when you throw in, get thrown into a bunch of stuff that stinks. Have a party. Count it all joy when you fall, fall into various trials and temptations. Knowing that the testing of your faith will produce hold on so my faith is meant to be tested because faith has a production line to it and what does it produce oh God endurance read whatever translation you want to you can read patience if you want to I ain't quoting patience 
I am not asking God to give me patience. Y'all can pray that prayer if you want to. I prayed that prayer. Look what I got. It produces endurance. Well, so it's tested so that it can be productive. Faith that doesn't get tested doesn't produce anything. But a faith that is being tested initiates the production line. Hang on. So, in other words, untested faith is of no value to God. Are you? Let me say it this way. A faith that is not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Because the production of a tested faith is endurance. And do you know how to build endurance? You endure. You have to endure. And he that endures to the end shall be saved. The only way to build endurance is to endure. It blows my mind when I, when, I, when I see young marriages fall apart. Because I think if you just work it out. I'm 46 now. Good. God have mercy. My kids are gone more than their home. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on. I got, I got one more to graduate next year. And then I'm changing my name, the name of my house. From my house to back to the garden. Some of y'all didn't get that. Did you need me to quote the scripture? You need me to quote the scripture? And they were naked and felt no shame. We're going back to the garden, baby. Jesus. Hallelujah. You better call before you come over. <laughs> oh, God, I'm about to get in trouble. It, if you hear Luther and you see Bojangles box, you might want to leave the house. Because a whole lot can be fixed with Luther and a bucket of chicken. Somebody say, okay. <laughs> Endure. Endure to the end. Hallelujah. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Glory. They're going to leave in Jesus' name and ain't coming back with more with them in Jesus' name. Listen, when they leave, downsize. But when you don't make it, when you're not willing to endure, I think of all the things. What would I have missed if we had to quit too soon? Have we ever had those moments? We all have had those moments thinking, God, Mercy Jesus. What in the world was I thinking? That's a country song. What was I thinking? Okay, it's for you. you know. Let's, what was I thinking? I was talking to a, a man several, several years ago now. I was like, listen, you're thinking, what was I thinking right now? But when you're 70 years old and nobody's mourning your loss, 
you're really going to be thinking it then. He who finds a wife finds a, and has obtained the favor of the Lord. So if you compromise your good thing for your easy thing, that easy thing ain't going to take care of you, but that good thing will later on in life. Y'all hear what I'm saying. But, but that requires endurance and faith. Okay? All right, so let me... Uh, the power, the problem with attested faith is you have so many opposing forces to come against your faith. Not, not the intellectual things, but I'm talking about your heart posture. The, the enemy's trying to destroy your faith. Your flesh is trying to destroy your faith because it all wants to be satisfied by temporary here and now moments. But hear me. Without the opportunity for failure... There is no exercising of faith. I want you to understand today that if there's no if there's no risk attached to your faith, you don't need faith. The, the apostles came to Jesus. They were having this conversation in Luke chapter seventeen, verse five, and they said the apostles said it this way. They said, "Lord, increase our faith." They said, "Lord, increase our faith." But what they were really saying was, Lord, increase our risk. Increase my risk so that I can exercise my faith. Lord, put me in a situation where I'm going to either deny you or they're going to boil me with oil. Lord, put me in a situation where I can rebound from my three times of denial to you and now stand before, increase my faith means increase my risk. Because if there's not a risk for failure, you don't need faith. So here's why faith is so important, Hebrews 11, chapter 6. Because without it... It's most likely you're not going to please God. It, it's probable that you won't please God. No, no. Without faith, it's impossible to put a smile on the face of God is for me to operate in faith. Faith in what I cannot see but I have complete trust in. So let me give it to you with the definition. But without a confident expectation of good based upon the word of God that is revealed to us, we cannot please him. This is one of my life verses, y'all. For without faith it is impossible to please God. Look at this. For those who believe him, they must come to know God is. They must believe that he is. Oh, all by itself. He is. All by itself. I must believe that he is. He is what? He is whatever I need him to be. He is. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He is the will within the middle of the will. He is the lily of the valley. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is the bright and morning star. He is the reason I live, I move, and I have my very being. He is a very present help even in the times of trouble. He is my El Shaddai. He is my Jehovah Rophi. He is my Jehovah Nisi. He is my Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. He is my banner. He is my fortress. Y'all don't hear what I'm 
He is my God, and in him will I trust. You must believe that he is. He is the one that will show up in the lion's den. He is the one that will show up in the fire. He is the one that will make a way when there seems to be no way. He is. He is who he is. I must believe he is. Watch this. Mm, one of my favorite verses. A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The power of this text, in my very humble opinion, is in this last statement, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The contingency of my reward is not whether or not I find him. It's just the fact I went looking. The fact that I sought God about this situation means there is a reward from me. The fact that I went to find out what God was thinking and God was saying about my situation, that there is a reward that is attached to it simply because I went looking for him in that situation. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Let me try to make it practical. The Lord gave me this this morning. Faith is the substance of freedom hoped for. And faith is the evidence, even though I'm still addicted. Faith is the substance of a relationship hoped for. And my faith is the evidence, even though I'm still on those single sites. Faith is the substance of the breakthrough I'm hoping for. And it is the evidence, even though I'm still struggling. Faith is the substance of the joy and the peace I'm hoping for. Even though I still feel like all hell is breaking through in my life. Faith is the substance of the healing I hope for. Even though the doctor is still saying cancer and you only have a few weeks to live. Huh. Faith is the substance of the healing hoped for. And my faith is evidence even though the doctor is saying you only have a few weeks to live. Last Sunday I talked about a young man who they gave a few weeks to live because of the cancer that was all throughout his bones and the tumor. Those of you here, you remember? You remember here? And I told you the story about the brother and the kids that were at youth camp and they began to pray the prayer of faith. And and if you were here, you remember, I said said something to the effect of, you know, I believe he heard the prayer of the, the pastor. I believe he heard the prayer of the prayer team. But I believe God answers the prayers of children that believe. For without childlike faith, you understand? Well, I made that statement to you. And now we're preaching on faith. Talked about how God healed this boy. There's no cancer in his bones. Childlike faith. No. I, I'm, I have been made fun of all day. I'm really rocking the mustard today. Okay? Right? There, there's this 
young, young lady in Judah Kids, uh, she, I, I call her Chicken Nuggets because every time I see her, she was eating Chicken Nuggets whenever she eats. It's always Chicken Nuggets. And so I call her Chicken Nugget, and, and she calls me Mustard Man because I eat like cheeseburgers with ketchup and mustard, and she doesn't like mustard. So I'm Mustard Man. Some of you are already gross. I didn't say mayonnaise. Calm down. Yeah. So I'm Mustard Man, and she's Chicken Nugget. And so a couple, couple months ago, I bought her a little T-shirt that says, Nugs, Not Drugs. And a big old, big old chicken nuggets on there. And so just a couple days ago, she, she bought me this Mustard Man shirt. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, I told her, I said, we're going to rock it. We'll take a picture together. So you know, even my son walked up and said, you look like ketchup and, man- and mustard. What are you doing? It's like, I have money and you don't, so shut up. I found it ironic that Friday she gives me this shirt and I just finished up my sermon and then she hands me the shirt and you can't read it but it says for if you have the faith of a mustard seed you can speak to this mountain and say be thou removed now you call it coincidence if you want to I say the Lord is ordering steps I said, so I'm going to rock this joker all day long. I'm going to let, I'm going to be loud and proud with this thing called faith today. I'm going to bring my Bart Simpsons to the game as well. We're just going to, we're going we to let you know I'm here. I am here. It also happens to be one of the young ladies that prayed the prayer of faith that this young man who's in his 20s is now healed from cancer of. And I can tell you the story, but can, can I show you what, what they think about what happened? Even the brother? Play that for me. Hello, my name is Aiden, and this is my Judah Kids story. I'm Elena. And I'm Nora. And, and this, this is, is our Judah, Judah Kids story. Summer camp, we went with friends from church. My favorite part of summer camp, I would say the service. It was just awesome. We had one chapel. That was, that was the one chapel that everyone like loved. We had prayed for Naomi and um, I was like, oh my gosh, we should do a prayer group. And then we prayed for Aiden and I was like, no, seriously, we should really start one. And then we started it and me and Elena started asking people. We saw him crying, so we were wondering what was wrong. So me and Nora went up to him and we said, is anything wrong do we, or do we need to pray for you? And he said that his brother had cancer, so we prayed for him. My brother Tristan, he had a rare cancer. It was all through his bones and his body. I just felt the need that I needed prayer for him. Cabinators that were there, they just came up to me and prayed. It was like God just came in me. Just like I told Aiden on the chapel, I said, Remember, the song that just played says that there is no fear because I believe. And um, the next day on Faith Friday, they told us that his skin clear. My mom told me, I was just sitting on the couch in shock. I was like, what? Actually, and I had a huge grin on my face. I was so happy. They thought his cancer would be like this, but instead of like staying like this or going like this, it went like this. All the stuff in his bones is completely gone. My first reaction, I couldn't talk. I about started to cry. 
I would encourage others to have faith in God because He is the one true God and that He's the one that can help you through bad times and good times and no matter what, He's with you. When hard things happen, then they just go away like that. And turn to God, He's did all this. He's miracle worker. You should have faith and believe because God's always there for you and He's always healing you. And um, no matter what problem you're facing, you could just go to God and He'll be there. I think somebody ought to just give God praise for that. Come on, I just think we ought to give God the praise for that. Come on, He's still a God that heals. He's still a God that delivers. He's still a God that creates breakthrough. Some trust in horses and chariots, but we believe in the name of the Lord. Somebody just slip your hands in honor for who he is and what he does. Come on. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We glorify your name. Come on, is anything too hard for the Lord? (laughs) Ah, we bless your name, oh God. Increase our faith today, Lord. Increase our faith today, Lord. Increase our faith today, Lord. That we may please you. That we may please you. Father, I pray in this moment right here for that person who feels like they're in an impossible situation. I pray that their faith would be increased. I pray that their endurance would be increased. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing to them and you're working it together for their good. For that person in a dark season, a lonely season, a depressed season, a broken season, I thank you that you're working it together for their good. Increase their faith this morning to believe. In Jesus' name. Somebody just worship Him. Just worship Him. Just worship Him. Somebody just worship Him like whatever it is you've been needed is already done. Somebody just praise Him like it's already been done. I want you to praise Him from a place called done. Worship Him from a place. Call those things which aren't as though they were. Glorify Your name, O God. Glorify Your name, O God. You're just too good to not believe. (laughs) We trust you, God.
Somebody just honor him all over this room. Just honor the king. Just honor the king. Just honor the king. Just honor the king. Sweep this room, Holy Spirit. Sweep this room, Holy Spirit. Sweep this room. Sweep this room and remove arthritis in the name of Jesus. I call hips to be aligned today. I call arthritis out of knees to be aligned today. Sweep this room, God, for lower back issues. You're still the God that heals our faith. Come on, come on, let faith arise in this house this morning. I feel the promptment of Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We seek you. We seek you. We seek you. Not just your healing, but we seek you, God. We seek you. We seek you. Glorify the greatness of your name. The greatness of your name. The greatness of your name. Amen. 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 Be seated for just a moment. Be seated for just one moment. Today, today's a big day for us as a family. It's the, I don't say a big day. It's an initiation of a moment for us. Initiation of a moment for us. Today, I want, I want to lay before you uh, something to pray about, to pray about with me, believe with me, faith. I would like to say that I strategically landed this day to be this day with this particular sermon, and it was all leading, but I'm just not that good, but God is. In this house, I can't speak for every house of worship, and, and I know I've got people that are visiting, and I'm grateful for you being here today. But for this house, one of the mandates that sits on this house is, in addition to our tithes, we pay... We, we give three major offerings a year. Today is not that day, so you made it on the right day not to give. So calm down. Just calm down. Just calm down. If you're visiting, it's no different than a member here. I just want you to be obedient to the Lord with what the Lord would have you do. Anything else is carnal. Anything else is carnal. As you walked in or you were sitting there waiting on the first service to, to leave, hopefully you caught wind of this picture that was sitting to the left of the double doors of our expansions. We're in that process of growing to a thousand, a, a thousand seat sanctuary. Our Sunday attendance is in the mid 500s. Even through summer, we're, we're running the mid 500s. To God be the glory for that. People are coming and, and thank God for all that. I'm, I'm not caught up in numbers. I just want to be effective for the kingdom and get you into an encounter with the Lord. We take up three major offerings a year. The first one is in January. It's called our Sacred Seed Offering on Sunday. After 21 days of prayer and fasting, we have a Sacred Seed Offering according to Joel chapter 1, verse 14. Consecrate a fast. I'm not going to get into it. But we sow according to Joshua, I mean, um, Joel 1, 14. $1.14, $11.40. Listen, it's not a matter of where you're at. It's a matter of being faithful where you're at. So it doesn't matter whether it's a dollar and fourteen or it's one point one four million. You have to be faithful in the season you're in, at the at the place you are. If you expect God to give more, you have to be faithful in what He's already given. So it's not about the quantity. Seed represents our hand. 
And what's in our hand, we put in the ground, in God's soil, so that we have a harvest specifically in our homes. That even in inflation comes, even when the gas goes up, even when the grocery store is ridiculous. We put seed in the ground in January before it ever came, knowing that there would be a harvest that would come back. That's offering number one. Offering number two happens in the month of October and November. It's called our heart for the kingdom. Sacred seed is about our hands to the ground. Heart for the kingdom is about our heart to fulfill the Great Commission. Everything that comes in, we give away to ministry partners, literally locally and around the world. I try not to get into too much vision, but I am not one of these guys that believes you send money around the world and people around you are dying. But I'm not so inwardly focused that we deal with the people inside of our house and we only take care of ours that we don't go into all the world to fulfill the Great Commission. I believe it should be balanced. I believe it should be balanced. In addition to that heart for the kingdom, and COVID has robbed us of the last two years of this, but we're getting ourselves back together aligned again. Every dime, every dollar that comes in, we give it away. In addition to that heart for the kingdom season, uh, can I just go here for a minute? Because I know it's a hot button in church right now. But, but I, be I believe it is scripturally accurate to be a tither. Glenn, the Walters household, and then the church that I'm privileged to minister in and be the shepherd of, under shepherd of. I believe in the principle of tithing. I have watched it work in my great-grandparents, my grandparents, my parents, and in my life, and people that are in this room. Some of y'all have more stuff than you've ever had in your life. I don't mean stuff. I mean more blessings than you ever had in your life because you were faithful. You never had to go begging for bread. We never had to be begging for bread, and there have been seasons where it was really lean. I believe in the principle of tithing. Listen. Uh, I'm going to hit it just because I feel frisky in this service. I'm, I am both fearful tither and a cheerful tither. I'm both. You hear what I'm saying? I'm fearful and cheerful. I'm not afraid God's going to strike me dead. I'm afraid I'm going to miss a blessing that he has laid up for me. So there is an element of reverential awe that sits in me that you can call fear, but it ain't just fear, it's also cheer. And it's not just cheer, but it's also reverential. I am both fearful and cheerful in my giving. Because I don't want to miss one thing the Lord has laid up for my family and my legacy. So the reason I communicate that principle is because not only am I a tither as a pastor, but we're a tither as a church. Every dollar that comes in by way of tithes, 10 cent of it is laid up to give to all the world. As a good steward through ministry partners locally, nationally, and globally. Every tithe dollar that comes in, 10 cent of it, a tithe of it, is put to the side to make sure we are fulfilling the mandate. I believe in the principle of tithing. I am fearful and cheerful. I'm both. Here we are today. And we had an incredible meeting this past Wednesday about the future of this church, the expansion of this church, everything that's laid up over there. I'm not going to regurgitate all of it. It is still there. It is recorded, pre-recorded. 
and you can go watch it at your leisure. All you have to do is go to the app, fill out the information. We'll send you the link and the password to go in, and you can watch and hear everything that was said. I'm not going to divulge. The very bottom line is that Thousand Seat Sanctuary was our first phase originally, but because of inflation, what was going to be a $6 million project because of inflation is now guesstimated to be close to $12 million by the time we complete it. And I'm not going to be a bad steward. If you have, you should never buy a $6,000 car for $12,000. You should never buy a $60,000 home for $120,000. You should not build a $6 million building for $12 million. That is bad stewardship. And I want you to hear my heart. Be very clear. If I had a check today for $12 million, I still wouldn't be a bad steward. If every dollar we needed was in the account, I still would not be a bad steward of it. But I also know that God is in this season. So we were in a three-phase process to build and expand here. And what we've done is we've taken phase three and we're going to make phase three phase one. Okay? And we're going to be expansion into four-year. We're going to start laying the groundwork for the entire four-year, but a portion of the four-year and open this thing up a little bit and, and do the things that we need to do. We, we will, by the time this next phase is done, we'll be able to seat um, almost 600 in the sanctuary in addition to kids' expansion and all the stuff that we'll be doing during this process. Multiple services still. We won't be in three, thank the Lord, unless God just blows our mind. And listen, if I'm going to die, I want to fulfill ministry. If y'all going to kill me, I want to be killed right here. Don't kill me in the parking lot. Kill me right here in the platform. Okay? Just, I want to die right here. The Lord said, just let me out. And then you got to go to heaven to figure out what the Lord was saying. So stupid. So stupid. This expansion for this new phase, that was going to be six and a half million that was going to end up being close to 12 million by the time it was all said and done. This expansion is going to run three and a half million. Okay, and we're good stewards here. The banks are already lined up. They got all that stuff together. They're willing to let us lend us that money. We're a good steward here. It's a three and a half million dollar project. If you just take your, your checks out and just million is spelled M I. Listen, call me stupid, but I believe in the next seven years there will be a million dollar check written. I believe that with all my heart. Not because I deserve it, but because of what God is doing here is so His. That He's going to finance the work of the kingdom. I believe it. Call me stupid and naive. I've, I've been that all my life. But I've not been sitting in boats watching miracles. I've been trying to walk them out. Three and a half million dollars. The banks are going to give us a 20-year note, but they asked us, you know, the standard is you typically pay it off in seven. Seven years, three and a half million dollars. I believe, I believe tithing works. So I'm not focused on three and a half million, although if, if you feel the need, you feel free. Hallelujah. Be filled in Jesus' name. Amen. I will, we, we'll put a plaque right beside the bathroom and we'll make that your memorial bathroom. You will not be the only one allowed to go in there. 
but I will put a stall in your name. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor Chris sat here. <laughs> Whatever. So stupid. I, I, believe, I believe in the principle of tithing. So I'm not focused on paying off three and a half million in seven years. Lord, tithing works. So I'm focused on $350,000 seven, every seven years. But just like me, the overwhelming majority of us, three and a half million might as well be 350,000. 350,000 might as well be three and a half million because it's still a lot of zeros before the decimal. It's beyond all of us. The overwhelming majority of us. Not beyond God. Not beyond God. When I was a youth pastor, I, I led one of the projects for our expansion back in the, the church I was before we planted Judah. It was a six, six, $6.4 million Center for Discipleship project. We brought in a company to come in to help us inspire. We were a church of about 11, 1,200 at that time. We brought in a company to help us inspire people to give, building on our heritage for our, leg, our future, something was the campaign slogan. We brought in people to inspire people to give. We're in contract. We paid them between forty dollars and $50,000 to help us raise $6.4 million. We got so far into that contract, and, and for, for the sake of that staff and the integrity of that team, I want you to know they didn't, we did not realize what it was we were getting involved in. What, was once, what we thought was supposed to be inspiration turned into manipulation. Y'all right? turn into manipulation and all of a sudden it's the people who have this amount of income in their homes they get stake and the people who have this amount of income they get a potluck dinner and the people who have this amount of income you get to come to the church service and get a bulletin so we're going to cater to the people that God has blessed with significant resources and we're going to make the widow with her two mites feel like she can't be a part and what was supposed to once be inspirational has turned into manipulative. And we as an elder team and all this stuff, we, we kicked around what are our options. And I want you to understand, our entire elders group, unanimously, was like, this is not what we're doing here. We're not, we're going to be real. First word of our vision, it's going to be real conversations. And if this is really God's thing that he's building, then he's going to give us divine strategy to do it. Those of you that know, know our elder, Tisha, who is over our prayer and intercessory team, we made this decision in February. She has yet to come to me and say, God has given me a strategy. I really wish God would give her a strategy because that would make my life a whole lot easier. All of them unanimously said, this is not what we're going to do. It's a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, the Lord, the Lord showed me a picture of a bunch of purple play balls. Now, just in case you didn't know, I'm pretty immature. No, you didn't say yeah. <laughs> Joey, don't let the devil use you, son. <laughs> so most often he speaks to me on my level 
I was, I, was sitting, I was sitting on that seat in the middle of the week. Lights were completely off in this room. And I'm like, God, what, are we, what, what would you have us do? It's one thing to preach faith. It's another thing to have to walk it out. Okay? When we go into this contract, they're not going to come after your home if it falls to pieces. It's, it's, my, it's, it's all of my stuff, my legacy on the line. But it's all his anyway. Sitting in that seat right there in the darkness. And I'm like, God, what would you have us do? He showed me a picture of, of a plastic cylinder, almost like if, if, if you've been in education at all, it's almost like in a science lab, a little beaker, little cylinder beaker thing with the top and bottom. And it was filled with a bunch of purple balls. All the way to the top. And I'm like, Lord, what is that? He said, son, that's 350 balls. Fill up that beaker. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? He said, well, if you take a thousand and 300, multiply them together, that equals 350,000. He said, son, I want you to begin to build the foundation of what our children's plague land is one day going to hold. Three hundred and fifty for seven times seven years over the next seven years. So today I have three hundred and fifty balls sitting up here. It's probably less than that because of the first service. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Each ball represents a thousand dollars. And I know some of us, $1,000 might as well be $350,000. I, I know where we are. Listen to me. You may not be able to do it, but maybe you have multiple family members that are here that can join together to do it. You may not be able to do it, but maybe you have a couple of close-knit friends that you could get together to do it. You may not have any friends and you may not have any family. But God, you, but God speaks to you and says, do this. I've, I've instructed the accounting department to as it tallies up and we cross a 1,000, there's another ball that's put in the beaker. There's another ball that's put in the beaker, another ball. So that every level, of every stage, every season of life, we all can be a part of this thing. But I'm just going to be obedient and I'm not going to bring in some manipulative group in here that doesn't have the heart of the house or the heart for the people. The Lord told me to get 350 balls with a thousand that represents a thousand dollars each. And then he said, hold this, buddy. And then he said, you take one out of every service. So my family, I'm in three services today. How many y'all coming to? I'm just kidding. I'm in three services today. And the assignment for, for the Walters household is to take a ball every service. And everything that sits under us is going to fulfill three of these balls. We're going to make the we're going to we're going to give the gift. We're going to sow the seed. And then we're going to take the ball, bring the ball back and we're going to put it in the beaker. The first 
offerings called Sacred Seed Sunday. The second one is the heart for the kingdom. The Lord gave me the picture for what this offering is supposed to be. This one of the three major offerings a year is called for the sake for his house. For his house. And I'm just asking the Lord to speak to you on what he would have you do. And and we're going to have a ball September the 4th, which is Labor Day Sunday is when I'm, I'm believing that God's going to fulfill this 350 balls in that beaker. Y'all pray for Jason and his team to try to figure out how to build what I saw in the Spirit. But hopefully in the next couple of weeks, you'll see it erected and we'll begin that process. And I just believe by faith, we're going we're gonna to see it fulfilled. I, I was in the office Sunday, I mean Friday morning, and I was here and, and JB was closing up. I was finishing up my notes for the message. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, take these 350 balls and put them in seven containers. Seven years is what they want us to do. He said, but each year I want you to put them in seven containers. And I said, Lord, why? He said, because I'm going to speak to one of my sons. And they're going to grab a container. Now... I don't know if you're in this room. I don't know if you're watching on live stream or you're listening to this, to this sermon later. And I don't know if he'll say this to me for the next six years when we do this. But for this year, he told me to put because somebody in this, under the umbrella of this house, in this room or online family, he's going to call to grab a container. I can't believe you'd say that, Pastor. Well. I can't believe half the things I say. And you can't either half the time. But I know when I've heard the Holy Spirit, or I feel like I know when I heard the Holy Spirit, and He's going he's gonna to speak. And we're all going to be obedient, and we're going to have us a ball. So I've told my media team, I said, I want you to go find me a big playground that's got a whole bunch of balls. At some point, I don't care if it's this week, next week, but somewhere, I'm, going, I'm jumping in. I'm diving in, going in deep, because it is a ball to build his kingdom. That sacred seed is about our hands, that heart for the kingdom is about our heart, but this seed, this offering, is about what we see by way of legacy for our future. These kids that we just saw the testimony of, they're one day going to be standing and sitting and leading in here. And we're all going to be on our way out, and they're going to be carrying the batons of what's next. Listen, listen, I don't know if you've paid attention to what's happening in this room, but God's doing some very special things in this room in our midst. The whole world is telling us to be divided, and here we are united, and God is showing up in very powerful and significant ways. There is a reason he has called a place called Praise at 12615 Steel Creek Road, and he's going to build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against what he's building. I want you to stand with me all over the room. I know we've gone over time today. Prayer team, move in this direction for me, if you will. Elder, come on, Troy. 
We're getting ready to transition and shift. Hear me today. If you need prayer before you leave, salvation, you need healing in your body, there's something significant that you need the Lord to do. You've got a weight that you're carrying, and you need prayer to touch and agree. There are powerful men and women of God that are all over this front that will pray for you, touch and agree with you before you leave today. It doesn't matter whether you're far from God. It doesn't matter whether you're connected to God, but you're in a tough season. They are here to pray the prayer of faith with you. And if God is speaking, I'm going to pray this prayer real simple. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And if God is speaking to you to come and partner with what we're doing in this house, what I believe divine strategy is for this house, these balls are available. You can grab one. And when you give that gift, whether it's next week or three weeks from now, a month from now, I think we're nine weeks away, whether it's eight weeks away from now, when you make that, when you make that declaration, you put in that gift, I want you to bring that ball back and let's put it, I'll let you put it in there and we'll celebrate the goodness of God when it's all said and done. Amen. If God's calling you to get one ball, if he's calling you to get five balls, is he calling you to get ten balls? Or he's telling you that you're going to just sow in and you're going to gather together and you're just going to trust that everything's going to come in, then we're just going to believe that by faith. But I just wanted these balls. I believe that God put this in my heart to make this a tangible reminder to those of us that are partnering in this very specific way that there's going to be significant things that are going to be released. Amen? Lift your hands all over this room. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Whatever it is you've laid upon their heart, if at all, I pray, Spirit of the living God, that they would walk in complete faith obedience, that their step would be ordered by you, because the just will live by this faith, and let us not walk by the sight of the gas station, the sight of the grocery store, the sight of inflation, or the sight that maybe even is in our bank account at this particular moment. Lord, let us walk in total obedience to what you would have us do. We do not give out of need. We do not give out of of greed. We give according to what you have commanded us to do. We operate in that and that alone in Jesus' name. If your hands are lifted, just worship one more time all over this room. Come on, give him glory. Give him praise.